Where is it? Ah, there it is. Oh. Hello! It's out of your time! Hi there, uh, welcome to uh, another Fishing Friday number. <laughs> I was, uh, I was uh, a bit concerned this morning. And, uh, it's been um, a kind of weird and strange week, um, and um, stress values were high. And last night, it was uh, <coughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say thank you to the person later on because his he's, his sheets through there with the name on it. I'm, I'm divided. I'm a bit all over the place today. It's uh, yeah, I got accidentally pushed. It was um, it was just a really stressful day. And uh, normally, what happens is that um, we got a couple of bottles of wine down the down the road, and we come up here, and then once they're done, that's them done, you know, because it's like we live in the country, and I don't get in a car when I've been drinking or anything like that. So it's kind of it's 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 like an enforced abstinence sometimes, which works well, right? And uh, you know, you can't just leave this place and walk down the pub, or there's there's you know stuff license is over two miles away, so it's it's cool, you know. And um, but the dangerous thing is always this time of the year as well, right? Um, is when People give you bottles and things, and they sit there in the cupboard, and they talk to you, like just after the last one's gone. I've, I've spoken long and hard about this with Callum Malcolm, who's exactly the same problem. And um, it's, it's a case of like you know, once you finish that last bottle, oh, that's it. Then we'll just have a cup of tea now, right? I said, oh, there's one through there, isn't there? And um, some really nice person gave us uh, 24 bottles of wine yesterday. <laughs> oh God. And that's what happened. It, well, I did do the drink at 24. I mean, by no stretch of the imagination. I was very good. And I actually found that there was a, a half bottle of white wine in the fridge, which is highly unusual. I mean, it's a very unusual thing to find a half-empty bottle of, of, of wine in the fridge, which shows you kind of like what kind of session it was. But um, it was deserved. We needed it. It was a very... It had been, uh, like I said, a crappy week, in a way. Um... I suppose that I'll say hello to some people before I get into this, right? Da, 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 da. Mark Nichols, South Wales, Douglas Lowley, Edinburgh, John Watson, Mark Whiffen, uh, Matthew Bennett, da, da, Fraser Kirkwood, Simon Jacks from Sheffield, Paul Bernard, Mick James, Trevor Shreve, Sean Mitchell, hello from the pool. Yeah, well, wearing the shirts, man, wearing the shirts, wearing the shirts, man, wearing the shirts. Gina White, Cramlington, my highlight of the week. Your Bushka. Hi, the org. Morags, Morags is Aaron from Kirkcaldy. That's where my daughter is. More about that in a bit. All feeds into this thing that happened this week. Good evening from Dunblane. Uh, it's David Downey, Paul Henry. Um, turning in from Maryhill. Uh, Andrew McDonald's from Saudi. Julie Baum, Ripon, New York City. Kevin Pfeiffer. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, as you remember from the last episode of East Lothian Enders, right, um, my wonderful wife, my beautiful wife, you know, my soul partner, as you may remember, had a quite a thumping off the floor. 
and she'd uh, basically had a blood pressure issue and it collapsed and smacked her head off the flagstones, which was pretty horrific at the time. <clears throat> and we had the paramedics up and, and we were told to kind of wait and see what the sore heads. And if she had sore heads, then we were to go into the hospital. So uh, what happened was that someone had sore heads and as one was, didn't tell me. So we got to this week and we had to make a doctor's appointment. So Simona is now waiting on an MRI scan. She's here, she's fine, um, but she has to get an MRI scan on her head because there might be a possibility of something shitty going on. So that was going down this week. And um, but basically there was kind of, Simona had some kind of mood swings and stuff like that. And it was, you know, it was just, she was not Simona, right? And uh, it was really unusual for her to get ratty. And um, and it was, we went down to see um, uh, our lovely Dr. Smith down the road and he's, we're waiting on an MRI scan. So there was that going down this week. And then my daughter Tara, across in Kirkcaldy, she ended up having a panic because she'd had uh, a little, but not a little operation, she had an operation on her ear, which was completed without anaesthetic. And seemingly it was my, my like you could hear my daughter through walls screaming in the hospital, fuck. <laughs> and anyway, so anyway, it, she was, uh, it, it burst and there was a lot of blood and stuff and there was, she's, it's like the whole thing going down and then what made even worse was she was given antibiotics and she's had a completely adverse reaction to the antibiotics. And um, uh, she was at the pharmacist because she couldn't get in the hospital, couldn't see a doctor. And um, she was itching like to hell, and all skins come out in hives and stuff. So she's been really bad. And just before I came on air, she got in contact to tell me that no, she cut her finger. She cut her finger with a knife. And while she was looking at the blood, which she's not very good at, right? She tripped over the dog, fell backwards, and fell on the floor. But she's okay. So it's been <laughs> poof, poof. But as I said, Simona's okay, Tara's okay, and uh, you'll see Simona later. She's she's cooking up a froth in the kitchen. She is. Yeah. Well, John Weisma from Stockholm, Victoria Richardson, Cork Island, uh, Manuel Marin, Laura Bitman Wardai, Michael Ward, West Yorkshire, Michael Ablesmeer, yes, hi Mike, Wojciech um, Futak, Hi Fish, will you come to Krakow? <laughs> Not any time soon. <laughs> it just goes on. The gift that keeps on giving. Uh, yeah, Ray Lambert. Yeah, yes, concussion. And it was, this was the thing. It was like, on top of all that, another one of the reasons why it kind of went a bit haywire over at the beginning of the week was because I forgot to mention <laughs> so much going on. Her blood pressure went through the roof and she was she was ticking 160s. And... Um, uh, which is very high, and because Simona has kind of, she's got to be careful because she has blood pressure issues. And for a couple of days, it was up 150 odd, and up, and it was like, it was, it was going nuts. Oh yeah, I forgot to do with that bit. So it was on the same day. It's like you know, all the shit was going down, and it was like, you know, Simona's blood pressure was all the way up, and I was trying to do everything, and I'm pulling her away from the office, going like, will you just sit down and just calm, 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 right? And um, so anyway, and because Rab, who who kind of works up here sometimes, Rab's our little uh, our little elf up here. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, Rab's done his, he's done his pelvis in and his spine's gone and everything like that. And it was a... Uh, he's in a, he's a bad way and he can't lift anything or do anything in the garden. So he's basically off for an unknown amount of time. And um, so I was down, you know, picking up boxes down at the containers. So I had to go... Someone sent me down... To, that's drive the car down to the, where we keep the, the stop, and I'm loading all these boxes up and stuff, and script albums and stuff, <laughs> and uh, and I brought them back up. So I was doing all that bit, cooked a meal that night and stuff. Did the, you know, just sit on the couch, take it easy, and then someone goes, you know, so you've got a, a dark stain on your trousers, and it was like, oh, fuck, and it was like, and I'm blown a hemorrhoid again, <laughs> just the, just the cherry on the top of the cake, so to speak, yeah. I busted a hemorrhoid, so it was like, and that's what I'm waiting to go into the hospital for on Monday. So I've got to go on Monday, I've got to go in and get a pre-op, because I've got to go in, because it's a general anaesthetic thing that I've got to get done to get things sorted out down under, right? So I've been waiting on this, and of course it blew again, right? So it was really, it was a real make-my-day moment, you know what I mean? It was like, you know, I think, you know, and because my daughter's got to go back in to get the, the ears got to, the wind's got to heal up before they take her back in and open it again, right? And she had, they found a cyst in there. So Tara's got to go back in the hospital for her operation. I've got to go in on Monday, right? And someone's got in for an MRI scan. So it's like, you know, I think, you know, what we should do is like, just, oh, just have a Christmas in one of the wards or something, you know? Fish and Friday in the ward. No, but it's, it's just, it's been crazy this week, no? Eric Bennett, thanks, mate. Yeah, good in the California. Uh, yeah, mum's doing good. Mum's doing good. She was doing our, our Christmas cards and stuff this week, so it's, that's been good. Um, get, everything's getting sorted out. <laughs> but yeah, it's just been nuts. And, you know, on top of all that, you know, it's been dealing with everything else. I mean, the, the lemon tree thing. Listen, thank you to one and all who have kind of contributed so far. It's been amazing. It's, um, I, I want to say, uh, there was some guy, a wee bit of a, a pop, you know, but so be it. And um, I don't, I'm not taking anything from this. I, absolutely nothing. It's like, this is all going to band and crew and, and stuff. And Yata's, um, Yata's going to get divvied in. But I mean, it's, it was, we put the original thing up because when Steve, Francis and I, well, Steve helped, Steve's been helping me, obviously, with it. He put together all the, the, the production on the on the show. He did all the, the, the tidying up and the glossing and the you know, scrimping and making it sound great. And he did the Just Given page. And when we put the page up, it was like, well, what do we do? How much do we kind of say, you know? And you had to put in a thing. So we just threw in 15 grand. And it went above that, which is thank you very much for this. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. And... We loaded it up and I hadn't, the guys hadn't told me how much, you know, they were, they kind of lost. And when we went through it all and I'd got the emails in from them all in the last, you know, in the last few weeks, it was like the figure is, is sitting around about 50 grand that the guys have lost this year, which is shocking. And uh, that's 50 shows, six festivals, blah, blah, blah. And as I said, I mean, me, I'm here, I'm doing okay. Well, I sell shirts. You know, the guys don't have shirts to sell. And it's, um, <clears throat> so... That's kind of how we were doing it. But thank you for it. It's, and the response to the gig's been incredible. I mean, I was a bit nervous, you know, because it was like, you know, as I said, you know, if you want to read the, if you want to read all the sleeve notes, you can go to the, the fishmusic.scot site. And there's actually, if you go to the news section, there's the sleeve notes. There's about 7,000 words or something. And, you know, I was explaining it all there about how, you know, it was first show and we were all really nervous and things. So, 
but I've been, you know, everybody's just, the, the comments on it have been, you know, brilliant, great. And, you know, when I heard it back, when I listened to the show myself, I kind of went, oh, I want to take this out, I want to take this out. But, um, no, there's no news. Uh, like I said, <laughs> still in lockdown. I think we're level two now. Level two, ladies' underwear. Um, so we're kind of kicking about this one, and as I said, we, there was ideas for Simona's uh, two daughters to come across and try and get them across, but it's just impossible. Um, Mona was going to come across from Colm, and they were looking at about a grand for a flight or something, and they were, she was going to take her ten hours. That that was the, that was the shortest flight she could get. Ten hours to get from Colm to Edinburgh Airport. But because of the restrictions and all the rest, it's not worth the risk. So we just have to be patient and, and wait and see what's happening, you know. And um, but I mean, it's been a stressful weekend. I mean, all round again on every other level. The, the my um, we got Brexit on Sunday. Happy Sunday, bloody Sunday. So yeah, Brexit on Sunday. And the way it's all looking at the moment is a no deal. And, Keep on getting these letters coming through from Her Majesty's government and Royal Mail and various other people going in the event of blah blah blah. No deal Brexit. We don't know what's to do. And Leanne, uh, my bookkeeper, actually uh, yesterday, the, she was on a one, uh, it was a, over an hour a kind of seminar, big Zoom seminar, and they were talking about you know what we're going to do, right? And um, she said we sat for an hour and said at the end of it she didn't know any more than she did the hour before. Uh, and I'm getting things through. <laughs> you know, and it's like, then I was contacted by uh, uh, Profact, uh, by Michelle, my, my friend across at Profact, who manufacture the albums. And he had to tell me that with the, the vinyl that's arriving in, in February, it's, uh, I've got to get my URI number, which I have, because I'm a proper importer-exporter now. Right? Proper. Right? Importer-exporter of international goods. Yeah, so I've got my URI number, and now I've, I've been told oh, it's going to cost a lot more to bring it all over, and uh, so and we don't even know the time frame yet. So I mean, they're saying beginning of February, but what they're talking about, Felix Stone and all the other dogs, probably get you around about July, you think? Yeah. Uh, Anthony Selkini, Craig Blue Dawson. Yeah, the each thing you can really, yeah. I had it really bad. Now, a couple of things. I was really sad to hear um, this week um, that Alec Cropley um, has got dementia. He's been officially kind of diagnosed and it's been made public. And I was found it sad. I'll tell you, I've got the thing here, right? I said, oh, did I get the whole thing? Did I take that bit? Ah, oh, I never took it. Bollocks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Classy inside left, he made 199 appearances for Hibs, scoring 49 goals, helped him with League Cup success in 1972. I was there. As well as two driver of cup victories. He suffered his first serious injury against Falkirk at Brockville, a broken ankle caused by a challenge from future Aberdeen and Manchester United boss Alex Ferguson. Yeah, there you go. And it's uh, Ned, who was Eddie Turnbull, right, the, the boss, the manager, Reckoned it was an outrageous tackle and wouldn't speak to Fergie for a long time afterwards. But the referee didn't think it was that bad. He was telling me to get up. He was telling me to get up. I had to be stretched off. The Hibs director, Sir John Bruce, a top surgeon, thought I'd only hurt the ligaments and strapped my ankle. 
The next morning, Dad had to give me a fireman's lift down the stairs to take me to hospital. The ankle was broken when I was told I needed a screw put in it. I thought my career was over. Kroppel left uh, December 1974 to sign for Arsenal in a deal worth £150,000. Right? After turning down Chelsea, and he suffered a broken leg early in his Gunners career and broke it again soon after his return. I remember when that happened. Um, unable to hold down the regular starting place, he moved to Aston Villa in September 1976 and was part of the team that won the League Cup in 1977. He suffered another leg break for the League Cup success and after uh, just months after the League Cup success and after 18 outings, joined Newcastle and then played for the Magpies. And then he came back. He came back up here and I met him for the first time. I, he was my hero. Right? He was. He was the guy, you know, there's always one guy in a team that you kind of go, oh, yeah, there was like, he had real class, tough as shit. I mean, really, as I said, he used to be really known for kind of ferocious tackling. And uh, he, I mean, that was in the days when it was, it was a hard game. None of this pussyfooting about stuff. It was a tough game. And, um, and Alec had a, a, a great touch, a drop of the shoulder. And he reminded a wee bit of Chris Waddle in, in, in some ways. And, um, and he, he could knock in goals from like, you know, 25, 30 yards. And he uh, got a couple of real screamers. And I remember his goal against Hearts in the 7-0 thrashing on New Year's Day. He says, provoking a launch of Jambos. Uh, uh, da -da -da. No, I actually, da -da -da too. But Ali Cropley, the first time I met him, right? And it was... Um, let me think, when was it? It was 19, what was it? It was the, the League Cup final, 1990. And um, I think I'd just done, let me think, was it 1990? It was an internal Excel. I had the, the, the new album, Excel, so it couldn't have been 90. I mean, it must have been 91, when Hibs beat Dunfermline right, in, the, in the, the League Cup final. And um, we were in Holland, and we were, we were on tour. And it was the League Cup final, and I said I had to get back to, for the League Cup final on the on the, the Saturday. And I took all the band and all the crew to the the, the League Cup final, all the band to the League Cup final. And um, and it was I think it was about ten of us. It was the band and bangers on. Da da da. We, um, we I remember we stayed at the American um, American Hotel in Amsterdam, which is my favourite place. It used to be my favourite hotel in Amsterdam. And um. We got to the airport and we'd had a skinful the night before after the gig. <clears throat> and I got to the airport and I'd lost my ticket. I couldn't find my air ticket, my flight ticket. So I had to buy another flight ticket. Then we got on the on the, 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 the plane. Blah, 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 blah. Into, into Glasgow Airport, right? And at Glasgow Airport, we were met by Jay Crawford, from who was a buddy of mine who was a big Dunfermline supporter. And a bunch of his mates were all Dunfermline guys. So there was a bunch of Dunfermlines and the hippies and neutrals on this bus and we're trying to get to Hamden from Glasgow Airport and it was like traffic, traffic, traffic. And I remember we got up to, we got really close to the stadium and I just said, look, can you let us off there? And the cops, these two motorcycle cops came up and went, you know, can't go up there. And I, and I was pissed, I'm, I'm a little bit smokied. And um, I jumped out of the bus and I said, okay, man, can you, can you let us, can you give us a hand? So I'll give you a copy of the new album has just come out. And he said, Fish, no problem, man. He said, just come on us, follow us. And we got motorcycle outriders took us right into the back of Hamden and we parked next to the Hibs bus. 
and uh, came running out. We got into the game, and I think Hibs just scored when we just when we got in. Brilliant game, we won it. I think it was two one, three one, my mind. And um, but I we had little f things, balls and stuff. So we were kind of drinking and things, and, and we were all wasted. And I came out of the stand. Hibs had won the cup. We'd just seen him lift it up, lift it up. Came downstairs, and I walked straight in Alec Cropley. And I went completely gaga. And I was like, uh, but, I, but I found it, but it was like, you know, Alec Cropley, like, you know, it was like, bow, it was like bow down stuff. It was like, you know, this is the Alec Cropley. And I met him a lot of times since. An absolutely wonderful guy, a really beautiful person. And, um, and it, it, when I got the news that he had dementia, it was just, it was just so sad, you know. But it's, um, and it, it was actually notified from the Jeff Astle. Um, it was Jeff Astle's family who, who were on about it, and it's, um, it's football. It's you know, everything's pointing. At, you know, when you see the the number of guys, the number of football players, you know, going up with brain injuries, and then watching the, the rugby thing that's just kicked off, which is going to be a big one. You know, you know, of sports causing you know injuries. But I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean. When I think back, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of you that are kind of running about my age. I mean, you remember those big leather balls that you always used to get for Christmas? There you are, son. There's a football. And it used to be this lump of leather with rope <laughs> tied around it with a big bladder inside, right? And when that thing got wet and you were out there playing in the park and it was wet and that leather got wet, see when you headed it, it was like heading a medicine ball. Right? It was like, dum. <laughs> and when you were a kid, you know, I mean, I remember watching, you know, kids go staggering about, you know, like somebody's taking a shot and like they've gone up to head the ball clear and it's like, boing. so yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at the, the balls nowadays, I mean, they're, they're really, really different. But I mean, just with this whole health and safety thing, it's like, how's this going to work with football? You know, I mean, you, when you look at American football, I mean, I know, I know some Americans that have seen rugby and they went, you guys don't wear any helmets. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, but I mean, you know, football players and you know, it was that age group. I mean, that that ball was a heavy, bloody thing. You know, we had a great team then. Mark Cunningham, yeah, Shadler, Duncan Cropley, Harriet Brownlee, Shadler, Stanton Black, Blank, Stanton Black, Blackley, Edwards, Rook, Gordon, Cropley, Duncan substitutes Hazel and Hamilton. There you go. Uh, Paul Bernard, thank you on order, arrived with that problem. I'm glad to hear that. You know, the other things we get, it's like, <laughs> the little gems of a day is like when you win a PayPal dispute. You know? <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was raising raise a glass. Oh, we won a PayPal dispute. Yeah. Flag goes up on the side. Yeah. Yeah, we won one today. So it was, I was quite happy with that. Ali Cropley gave me an autograph outside the Marble Halls of Highbury when I was a kid. Kevin Teese. Lucky man. Yeah, it's, uh, Owen Boyle, so sad seeing all the pubs closed in Gorgie. It's like, all the pubs closed everywhere, mate. Pubs, pubs, right? World Bark, hi, Fish, when will you visit Harlem? Same time as I visit Krakow, right? Don't know, I... Hibs 2, the Fairland nil, 1991 League Cup final, Laurie Fairweather, thank you very much for jolting my brain cells, right? Uh... Colin Ferguson, 2 0, you must be wasted. We were seriously wasted that day. With Jay Crawford and all the boys, it was like mental, right? 
And uh, and the journey back from Glasgow was just fantastic. One of the best journeys I had back. Oh. And my dad was with me as well. My dad actually, Jay picked my dad up, so my dad came across. Oh. Uh, Sasha Williams, yeah, feeling good, thoughtful, yeah. Andy Preston, shirt on, good man. John Watson, it was 1991, you beat my team with Gels in the semi final, yeah. Recently, Gels signing, and oh, lost it. Got to come down, they go up too heavy. Neil Quarrell, the balls were heavy when we, yes, mate. Caroline's reader, can ball. Dr. Bob Lee Davison, you're late. Yeah, you've got a letter from your mother, mate. Uh... Oh, what? Moira and Amanda Johnson, me and my cousin met you in the 80s. We were cycling down Woodburn to go to the shop for my mum and you gave us a pound each to buy sweets and my mum's man was in the hospital the same time as you and got your autograph for her. <laughs> wow. I tell you, some weird, some weird coincidences coming out today. Uh, uh. Oh, Julian Gibbs, it's Christmas tree. Yeah, we've got it. We've got it, but it's not up yet. Um, I had to drag her out of the office today. It's like, we are going to get the Christmas tree. Because it's like for the last two, three days, it's been, we need to get the Christmas tree. We need to get the Christmas tree. It's like, but too busy. Orders, 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 too busy. And I said, we're going now, right? So we went down and we went down to the guys that are on the Pink Hitler Road and we bought a Christmas tree. So we'll be going up this, this weekend. So next Fishing Friday, you will see the tree in all its glory. And my missus does put a very nice tree together. I'll tell you. Right. Uh, Andrew Evans, yeah, the big leather Casey football. <laughs> yeah, we always got it for Christmas. There you go. Here's future dementia for you. <laughs> uh, when you head out on the laces, man, at heart, Philip Garbutt, yeah, you got the laces. And you used to get a cut. I mean, if that ball hit you, if you got the laces wrong, it's like you want to you know, it'd cut your head open, you know. Chris Harris, I remember when metal really kicked off in the 80s and headbanging came in. That's going to have consequences for folks too, yeah. That's a good point, I mean, you know. It's, uh, it's one of the things that I've, I've kept for the other couch, so I don't want to kind of go into them. My father played for Partick against, oh, the Graham Smith against the Famous Five. Graham Smith. My father played for Partick against Famous Five and he had Alzheimer's as well. There's a lot, man. I mean, it's like Tommy Gemmell and stuff. So all those guys that I remember, you know, watching when I was a kid, you know. And, I, and Jimmy O'Rourke's not good either. He was our number eight. And, and he was, uh, he was another Harvey man, you know. Jason Brooks, any plans for more T-shirts? Some vintage reissues would be cool. Um, not at the moment. I'm not, I'm not really thinking about it. I mean, oh, still haven't heard anything back from Warner's really the vigil thing yet. Still waiting. And, um, so we're having a, I'm having a talk. I have to start putting things in place because, as you know, I've, I mean, there's no touring. So the only income I get is from selling stuff from here. And, uh, and I'm really aware as well very aware that, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, it's like, they've got better things to do with their money and buy fishery masters. And, um, so, I mean, I, I've got to kind of tag it out a little bit. So I was talking with Callum and talking with Steve in the last few days as well. And, uh, and I'm basically what we're looking at is going for 13 star remix, a uh, complete remix of the album, the McCallum album and um, 
going for a, a whole shebang, doodly-bum, you know, kind of big book, 13 star, uh, updating interviews, the Nearfest stuff and everything else. On a, I'm, I'm doing a Blu-ray. I don't know whether to do a five to one or not, because, I mean, if the reality is, I mean, it's we ain't going to sell a lot of these things. I know that, you know, I mean, I know just from looking at what we've done with Veldschmerz, you know, it's like, you know, and as I said, with the current kind of climate, you know, I'm not going to take the piss. So, uh, and it's whether I go for a Blu-ray on 30 Star or not is, is a question which I'll probably throw that to a vote and see what people think, you know. So, five to ones, I love them. And I've, 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 I've you know, I mean, Avril McIntosh and Andy Bradfield did a great job on, on the Veldschmerz five to one. But, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I like it. It's great, but I... Is it something that you spend so much money on, you know, for, for, for a few, or you use that money elsewhere? And it's always difficult when you put these remasters together. But what I'm talking about is 13 Star coming out in probably May, uh, probably the end of May, I would think, because Mark's tied up with stuff. And um, getting finally getting that Clutching at Straws live album out. So putting those two out in, in May time. And at the same time, there will be, I'll get a new vinyl sorted out for 13 Star. And we might have to probably look at getting Feast of Consequences done because that's very close to selling out. And it's been interesting, you know, to see, like, you know, how many people, how many orders have come in. You know, we, we do about maybe between 30, 50, 30 and 50 orders a day. That's what someone does. And it, it keeps us going and it keeps things moving and stuff, which is wonderful, right? Like, we're lucky to have that. And, um... But as I said, with Feast of Consequences, it's been interesting because we've noticed that there's a, a lot of people buying the, 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 the deluxe Feast of Consequences and, the, and, and the, um, the standard, which means they didn't know that was out at the time. So Veltschmerz is coming through into is, is reaching into other places, which is great. And, uh, but um, if I get the 30-star remaster remix out with the live album and me then hopefully by the time we get to the summer we'll have the license from warners to make vigil and then we can put that out in the october and maybe 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 right we might be on tour then maybe it's a big huge maybe and i'm not gonna hold my breath because i'll be purple very soon so um it's great having the the news about the vaccine and stuff is, is wonderful. It's great. Um, and it was, it was quite a buzz seeing, you know, people, you know, getting their injections and stuff on, on, on the telly. Right? But, um, you know, the reality is, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who got to get vaccinated. And, um, and I need a complete all clear before I can go out in September. Because as I said, I repeat myself, you know, there is, we have no insurance at all and we cannot play socially distanced gigs and we cannot you know um run the risk of having gigs taken away during the tour so that's a decision i've got to make next year but if that happens if the tour happens then i will have vigil and internal ready for the tour which would be quite ironic because vigil was supposed to have been out for this year right it should have been all done this year right i've got a documentary that that, that uh, um David Barris and Scott Mackay put together with me. And it's out of date. You know, I still got the bits, but it's like, I mean, it, it was done a year and a half ago, right? When we started to prep, you know, uh, the Vigil album, right? When we started to prep the whole remaster thing and sort of... Just, <laughs> but yeah, so if, 
you know, if I can get the license at some point in the, the next six months, whatever, I'd like to get it for Christmas. Dear Mr. Wanderer Santa, please give me the license for Christmas. Uh, and, um, so once I get that done, that'll be out. And then that'll be the catalogue remastered. And like, it'll be ready for the farewell tour in, in 2022. Fingers crossed, blah, blah, blah. Doo, doo, doo. It's the, all the ifs and buts and maybes that drive me absolutely fucking mad. It's like, you know, it's not knowing. It's like, like with the, the, this Brexit thing as well. It's like not knowing. If somebody could just tell us what we're supposed to be doing, it would be great. And giving us a fundamental, this is where it's at. And, you know. Ah. Linda, Linda Dublin, yes, I knew about Sam. Uh, the last time I saw her, she told me about that. Um, yeah, yeah, John Waters, take my five to one, Blu-ray, did I? Tosin Kenson, yes or no, about 13 Star. Uh, I don't know what that question is. Chris Harris, I love I love five to one mixes, did I? It'd be good, it'd be interesting. I'll have to have a word with Avril and Andy about it. Well, um, the one I've got to work out, I mean, it's... Whether when Vigil comes along, I mean, do I? That's a big one, because with Vigil and Internal, right? Remix or just a mastering? It's um, that's an issue because it's all on tapes. I mean, this is the thing. I've got boxes and boxes of tapes. I'd show you, but I'd have to climb over a lot of other boxes. But it's um. Yeah, I've got all the reels. I mean, I've, I've, I was EMI sent up the vigil masters, all the the, the multi tracks to me ages ago, and they've all been stored away really carefully in the in, in the here in the control room, along with all the other other tapes. But the problem is that the machines don't exist anymore, or they're, they're really hard to find. So, for example, when I used to record here in the control room, I used to use. 56 channels so internal was done on a 56 channel which was 32 digital tracks right and 24 analog tracks that were recorded on the studer machine i think it was a studer 80 or something and it was the the, the big mitsubishi 32 track that was that was a, a big bit of kit big bit of kit but that's what the album is on you know it was, it was before you know before digital files and things so if i'm going to do anything with vigil or internal then I've got to bake the tapes, right? Now, not only have I got to bake the tapes, which means what you've got to do is you take the tapes, they've got to be put in an oven at a kind of very low temperature, and it basically um, keeps the integrity of, of the tape and the particles on the tape, and anything, any moisture that's gathered, you know, so it stops the tape ripping apart and things. So, so they've got to be baked. Then they've all got to be put on the machines that they were recorded on. So I've got to find somebody with a Sony 32 Mitsubishi Right, a, 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 a Mitsubishi 32 track machine, and I've also got to find somebody with it with a, a studio two inch, and I've got to get them synced. You know, it's it's kind of because when we recorded internal here, the two machines ran together; they were actually synced up, so that when you press record, the the digital and the analog tape started simultaneously. So I mean, it's a lot of money as you can possibly imagine to go down the route of baking tapes getting them all across and then I've got to remix them right so uh I was a big question and whether I want to do that and you know 
what I've got to remember as well is that the Vigil, the Vigil album ultimately belongs to EMI. So anything I'm going to be doing were getting digitised will ultimately go back to them as well. So I'm, there's a lot of stuff to be worked out. It's, it's complicated, you know. These Eisenberg, the deluxe Fugazi sites, I don't know where they're coming out. Um, this weekend, Avril and Andy, yes, I will. I'll listen to I've got all the Fugazi mixes here to listen to, and I've just not had the time or the headspace to really sit down and listen to Fugazi because I have been living in a Fugazi week all week. And to listen to the album Fugazi on top of all that was just a little bit much. So, uh, but yeah, so I've got to listen to all that. But I mean, and I was talking about Mark Wilkinson um, the last couple of days, and you know, Mark's saying that you know he's working on the Iron Maiden covers and he's working on Judas Priest at the moment, and he said he can't do anything till at least March, the end of March. So either they're going to have to bring another artist in to replace Mark Wilkinson, right, or it's going to go, go back. I can't personally. I don't think it's going to be out before March. I don't think so, right. And the late law, what are your views on the UK using vaccine first? Shouldn't UCSA be using Pfizer? It's their baby or are we the guinea pigs? Good, good question. I don't I mean, the whole vaccine thing is like, you know, it's all very quick. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to be a cynic and I don't want to be sceptical, but I'm just cautious, you know, by nature, you know. And um, I think it's fantastic that they brought it out. I mean, but... I'm really unsure of where everything is. It's all these different types of vaccines. This one gets scored, stored at 95 and blah, blah, blah. And then there's another one and it's 60, it's 75% efficient, 95% like da, da, da. I'm, I'm going to, I'll take my time. When I'm asked to stand up in the queue, I'll stand up in the queue, but I'd like to kind of know a little bit more about it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And it's great that, you know, care homes especially and stuff, it's, it's great. And I really do hope it all works and I'm sure it will. But, you know, as, as um, you know, I know Simona, I mean, my mum said she, she's not going to take it, you know, which is kind of, um, that's going to be something to be discussed. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if it's going to help, if, it's gonna, if it works, then I'm up for it, you know. But I mean, it's the whole vaccine thing is it's like the production and it's a big big muddy muddy trough that whole making the vaccines and anyway let's move on all right bob falk what was your primary religion growing up i was christened church of scotland but i'm not a religious person all right that's uh that's another thing alfred fisher any tapes of 1982 nah yeah oh Jim Cheering, please get Steve Wilson to do a Dolby Atmos remix of Vigil. I think Stephen's going to be very, very busy next year. <laughs> Carol Lawrence Olsen, I think a remix of Ten Legs album is a good idea, but not sure about Vigil. You know? But it's like the thing is, I, I can't. The, the, if I'm going to do a, a kind of surround sound uh, Vigil without remixing it, then I would be in a situation where. Um, uh, it's like, it, as I said, if, if I'm going to do five to one individual, I'm going to have to go into a proper one. Then I've got to go into the uh, get the masters, and that's the bacon side thing. Oh. <laughs> mm. 
Neil Quarrell, a long way from Midi. Yeah. That's that in middle. Oh, yeah, Midi. <laughs> it's great. I mean, there's all the stuff that we got in the, in the studio, and it's like, you know, it's ancient now. I've got I've got a machine there that's probably somebody's looking for a machine like this because he's got a tape and he doesn't know where to get the machine. And that's the problem. And, and when I did the... Um, on the vigil uh, remaster when it comes out, I've actually got all the internal and, and vigil demos that I recorded on an Akai, uh, an Akai 12 track when, when Mickey Simmons was here. Mickey mastered this this thing on the on this Akai 12 track. And I found a box of, a box of all these tapes and they, they were like um, um, big cartridges, right? I mean, you look at it now with the tech, the tech that you've got around you now and you look at these things and they were like great big carriages that you clunked into the machine, like a video cassette thing. And um, I then I found a box of them. So uh, I had to get them digitised and, and, and put on file. And it cost a fortune to do. Right? But it was uh, it was either that or forget about them. And I'm glad it did because I found some real gems on the on the tapes. There's some really nice stuff. And uh, But again, it's, you know, you know, it's it's difficult with the, the whole techie side. I mean, I, I would love an easy way to do the baking tapes thing and, and then all the rest of it. I would love to go in and... I mean, I think Chris Kimsey might be really interested in, in doing a, a, a remix of Internal XO, but we'll see how it goes. That's what happens. Have a beer. Chill out. Ah. No. Yeah, Claude Poppin, yeah. I respect my mum's decision too, you know. Was, um... Alistair Downey, did you ever ask Peter Hamill why the cover of Fool's Mate depicts Scholar's Mate? Nope. Uh, we're moving into it. Tommy Frank, John Eden did a remix of Quo's Rockin' All Over the World album. And it was a stressful process. He's now living in the USA and doing remixes and digital work on old reels. Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, the thing is, what did I do with all the reels? You know, I've got all this tape and, you know, I mean, the yin and yang alone is about 10, 10 huge tapes, big digital 32 track tapes. What did I do with them? You know, it's, you know, do, do you destroy them, right? I mean, do you, do, you can't put them in a skip. You know, these stories about, I remember, like, at EMI, they were through all old tapes and people found some uh, old Lenin stuff and things in the back of it. But, I mean, you know, I, I, there's someone, you know, throwing the tapes away, just... I'm a magpie, for God's sake! Right? And uh, I don't know what to do with these tapes, you know? Because there's... I'm sure... There's, I'm sure there's probably something in them. There'll be little ad-libs and shit, but, I mean, not worth baking the whole thing and go through them all, you know? Female, any stories from Planet Rocket Great Yarmouth? I'd have to have, I'd have to engage my mind into that one. Yeah. Victoria Richardson, would re-recording Vigil be a workaround? Nah, I couldn't. It's like my voice has completely changed. You know, I mean, it's, it's imp it would be impossible to to go in and and you know I could 
I could record all the vigil tracks, but I mean, again, on the remaster, I mean, all the vigil tracks, all the live versions, I mean, this is the thing, this is one of the reasons why I have to go to like a big box set with the internal and vigil, because all those songs have been played so many times. There are so many different versions that, we've, that Steve and I have got to go through to pick out kind of like the key ones from the ages with all the different bands. And I think that's kind of what makes the remasters interesting for the people that already got them. And that, when you get the live the live album where you've got all the, the, the CD all the live versions of the, the, the album it's interesting to see how it's played throughout the years by different musicians and things it's, um, and how the songs I mean Just Good Friends was a, a classic example right. Steve Wilson Jim Schelling Steve Wilson Stephen Wilson oh boy this again Jim Schelling Stephen Wilson is a massive Dolby Atmos fan now I'm sure he'd love to play with his new surround sound toys to do a quick remix favour for you. I'll have to phone him up. Oh. Chris Harris, I still have loads of 80s kits in my bed, 80s kit in my bedroom studio. Amazing how 80s analogue since will come back in a fashion. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, a lot, a lot of these a lot of these old instruments and old amps and stuff, people go, somebody picks up and go, oh, it's, it's a dated thing. It's like, I used to use, um, when I was running the studio internal XL, Chris Kimsey brought up a couple of mics and they were like, they were like 1950s mics. It was amazing. And it was, it was a privilege to sing through, man. I tell you this. Oh, oh. Sasha Williams, I've never been to Scotland. What places would you recommend? Hope Corona will be gone first. I don't know. I just want to get out. I want to take my, I want to take some more up, up north. She, you know, she's never seen the north of Scotland. I just want to go on a driving holiday, but it's, you know, it's impossible. Oh. I mean, first up and foremost is, is definitely the German visit. You know, I mean, I think we're, you know, Simona is really missing her family, and that's the toughest, the toughest thing in, in, in all of this. You know, I'm not going down there, John Goodman. Tommy Frank crowdfunding, crowdfunding. I'm not really into crowdfunding. Like, I don't need to do it. You know, if I'm going to make an album, right, I can either go to a bank and borrow money, you know, or if, if I don't have the fa the finances here to, to, to throw into that, you know. Crowdfunding is, is, is expensive, you know. It's, they, they take quite a hefty percentage. And it's like, you know, I don't really want to go down that route, you know. Well. Yarek Zikovitz, which flavour are you vaping? I've got American tobacco in here just now. What attracted you to Roger Dean's artwork on Yes album covers, Brian Angus? Because it was round about the first time I smoked a joint. I loved it. It was I just loved the whole magic of it. I was reading a lot of uh, science fiction and stuff, science fiction books in that time. And uh, here's a name for you. Thomas Covenant. The, the, what was it called? Uh, I can't remember. What, Thomas Covenant was um, one of the guys. That was... Uh, I lost the books ages ago, so there you are, a little prompt for you. Thomas Collin books, it was, a, it was a whole big fantasy series about this guy in a white gold ring and stuff, it was fantastic. And I actually, in fact, I, might, I must have it, I got his autograph, I got the guy that wrote his autograph, I met him in Edinburgh. <laughs> now, this is going to make you feel better, right? Because you know when you all go up and you're getting something, something signed, and you say something really stupid to the artist, you're asking for an autograph, and, you, and the artist looks at you and goes like, you know, I do it too. I did it. And the guy, 
Thomas Covenant, right? The I went up to I can't remember. Come on. Thomas Covenant writer. Anyway, I went into Edinburgh and stood in a queue to get his autograph on on the, the, the new Thomas Covenant book. Um I actually said to him, right? And I, I, I cringe when I even think about this. I said, so did you take drugs when you were writing these books? <laughs> I think it was I think I was 16 or 17. I think I was looking for some sort of validation. What did you take and where can I get it? <laughs> did you take drugs when you were writing these books? The guy's looking at me going, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfgang Tremel of the islands, Mull. That's a beautiful island. Richard Hall, climbing on roses is a good way to see Scotland. They're there. Oh, it's, it's, we're now going to... It's a, yeah, this is, come to Scotland and this is what you can see. It's great. I'll have to show some more of this one later on. Yeah, I've got to take some more to Kintyre, Andy McIntosh. Andy, thank you very much. I did get it. And in fact, I'll deal with it now. Uh, oh, something else I want to thank. Right. This is from Adam Frame. Adam, thank you very much. As, um, Adam said, uh, he gave me a tip. Uh, to basically sort the iPhone phone out to basically like he said uh, here we goes navigate to the swipey bit known as the control centre the bit where you can adjust volume and brightness and click the button that looks like a moon this will silence all notifications messages and phone calls and I've done it I clicked the button it took me about 15 minutes to find the moon in the phone <laughs> put the fucking moon button but I did it so thank you very much and I've had no notifications from Dobies, so I'm, I'm kind of missing, you know, the offers, just in case there was something that really caught my eye, you know. 15,000 hyacinth balls for a quid. Yeah. That's the song. Uh, blah, blah, blah. All right, Crotley. Right. I can do this. you like this, right? Simon Farquhar. Right. Simon Farquhar, the man that keeps on asking questions and about... His first one was always... What comes first, the lyrics or the dinner? And they want to know all why we do it. And that's why the kind of, the, 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 the song section became, became Farquhar Corner, right? Because it was Simon that wanted to know it. It says, Fish. He's a lovely man, Simon. I've known him for a long time. And he's a good wee writer. Fish. As this is the closest Fish and Friday to my birthday, thought I'd take this opportunity to say thank you for Fish and Friday, which has been an absolute joy throughout this awful year. Um, as it's my birthday, I'm going to ask three questions I've tried in vain to get answered before and which have bothered me for decades. <laughs> right. Take your pick. I'm going to do all three for you because it's your birthday coming up. Right. So it's like, where did you live in Gerrard's Cross? I lived in Gerrard's Cross in Buckinghamshire at 6 Daleside. That was my address. Right. And um, it was... A house I bought with my first wife. Uh, it was just we bought it before we got we got married, and it was just down the road from Ian Mosley's and and his then wife. Uh, it was a weird little place, right? And it was uh, there was no it, it was everybody was isolated, right? It was a, it was just you didn't talk to him. The guy next door worked for EMI, and I asked him a couple of times to come in for a drink. Man, drink well now, never. The only other really nice people were next door, and that was 
uh, Mia and uh, Niels, and I'm trying to remember because I've got to send them a Christmas card this year. Um, they were really, really nice people and very friendly, and she was Danish, and Mia was, was great. And But we never knew anybody else. There was an accountant for Pink Floyd lived down the road. That we, the only time I went round to him was to try and get tickets for the, well, E Mosley went round to me to try and get tickets for the Floyd gig, right? And uh, um, but I mean it was crap. It was uh, the only the pub when you went up during, during the week. There was nobody in it. Never, there was never anybody in it. Maybe a couple of guys and a dug, right? But it was uh, the only time I ever got food was was lunchtime on a Sunday when all the kind of like we're all going down to the pub for the Sunday. Sunday lunch down the pub, right? And then they all came in and bought the papers and fucked off. Right? It was an awful place. And uh, the last time I went back there, right, there was because uh, I, I sold it in, I've got to get the years right, uh, I sold it in 1989, uh, early 90s, before I moved up here, just as I moved up here. And, um, and uh, the money I got for that house actually paid for this place. Right, and I sold it right on the brink of it going down, the whole thing collapsing. And I was a very lucky, lucky move. But I had a huge mortgage, and um, um, when I moved up here, that's how I bought um, the area. This is the, the big house next door, so which went a long while ago. While ago, as well. But yeah, so anyway, six Dale side, and I, oh yeah, I went back there when we were we did some rehearsals down at Mike Oldfield's studio, and. Um, one night we we went out to get a Chinese or something, and I said, "Well, let's, let's because Mike Oldfield's place was just up the road from where I used to live." I said, "Well, let's go back and go to Gerald's Cross." Never recognised the place, and we drove up and down Daleside trying. I try. I'm trying to recognise the house that I sold, right? Oh, that I used to live in, and I didn't recognise it, and it was a. Uh, it had all been extended and built on and changed, and and we drove up it two or three times, and it was like an actually. <laughs> I just like to say, look, we better get them. They're gonna next thing. There's gonna be a cop car. We're gonna get blue lighted in a minute. You're gonna think we're the thing we're casing the joints, driving up and down Daleside. There's somebody outside. Like I said, I told you the story before about the um, the dog. So, so. But anyway, Simon, that's your first question, right? Where are the locations listed on the Clutching at Straws lyrics? Where they were written, or just where they were inspired, right? Uh, Probably, it's a mixture of both. Um, uh, I can't remember all the different places, but I mean, things like Slange Navarre was Cafe Royal, right? Or Cafe Royal, and uh, Walmart Circles was, and this is this is this is where we take a little curvy, right? Walmart Circles was written in a pub. It used to be called the Quarter Deck in North Berwick High Street, right opposite these two phone booths which are mentioned in the song right and um and the interesting thing let me answer his last question first because i'm going to come back to this because it's a nice little switchback right um was the kid you pulled out of the audience in the grendel video a plant <laughs> no everybody that was pulled out you know on the, on the grendel video and stuff like that everybody was be it was every night it was just Whoever was in front of me, whoever was light, looked lightest, <laughs> the, the smallest, lightest framed figure I could see in the gloom, that was the guy I pulled out. Right. And um, 
And so there's no plan. It was never planned. It was, uh, it was all kind of, you know, that was how it was. And you used to see the fear in people's eyes sometimes. Because yeah. it's like, you know, I was, you know, when I'm on stage, I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a different place up there. Right? It's a very different place. And especially when I've got, when I had the, 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 the eye makeup on and stuff, and I, or, well, I had the makeup on, but in the Grendel mask, when you looked through that mask, and you saw those eyes, <laughs> and they were saucers. <laughs> but, um, no, it wasn't a plan. So we come back. You like this? This is a good spin. This could have been written by script writers, right? Well, all the places where the clutch of the straws lyrics were pretty much kind of there, you know? They were, there was some part of that song was written in, 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 that, in that place. And, uh, and as I said, North Berwick, right? North Berwick was um, where I did the, the Warm White Circles thing, Quarter Deck Pub, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the phone boxes, blah, blah, blah. And Fedra, right? And Fedra Island is, I, I go down there quite a bit. Um, I'm not quite a bit, I, I should go down there a lot more often than I do. But uh, if you go down to Yellow Craig's Beach, right, which is by Diddleton in East Lothian. East Lothian is a beautiful county. It's a fantastic county. It's got amazing places all hidden away and things, right? And if you go to Diddleton and um, you, you head down to Yellow, Follow Signs, Yellow Craig's Beach, if you go down there, you've got this wonderful walk that goes through these kind of gnarled kind of pine trees that look kind of like something that Roger Dean would be inspired by. And they're all kind of narrowed because they're all uh, hit by the the weather systems that that, uh, that come in off the North Sea. And then you go down through the trees and then you go into this beautiful beach and right before your very eyes is, is Fedra with its lighthouse. And we used to go down there a lot for, when I was a kid, you know, when I first, when I first got my mini and things, we used to go down there a lot. And the end of school, you know, it still happens. Andres, if you're watching this, you'll remember one very well. It's, uh, there's always a lot of parties at the end of, end of term and things, so that you know you got lots of teenagers things getting down there. And we used to go down there for barbecues and had these amazing barbecue pits. And it was always kind of school trips as well. It was like you you, know, you would go with the, the bus down there and run about the beach and things. And it was always when people would disappear into the dunes. And that was kind of where, you, you know, a lot of the, it was before dogging was invented. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, you, you often, you know, it was like Lovers in the Dunes was kind of like um, pretty much the norm. And of course, that was it, the dancing beams of the Fedra Lighthouse. It was the idea that the couple being caught in the dunes by the beam coming around. But Fedra, well, Fedra's an island. I've, I've been on Fedra a couple of times. And uh, it's now, uh, it used to be a manned lighthouse. It's got this beautiful... A uh, beautiful garden, like a walled garden, where the lighthouse keepers used to um, 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 they used to grow the, the the food. I mean, obviously, like the, the, I think there was a boat only went across like once a week, and they took provisions. And there's a little dock on the island for the for the boats and stuff. But the, the lighthouse keepers, especially when it was it was stormy weather, which is what the thing was there for in the first place, you know, they couldn't be provisioned, so they had their own little garden, and I went across there. And it, I've, it came up for sale a while back, and, and there was, I did, it did cross my mind. I thought, whoa, that's a weird place you could live, right? <laughs> Which would be, take you even further away from the off-license. So you did run out of wine, you were in serious problems. If you ran out of cigarette papers, you'd be knackered, right? I was gone.
But anyway, Phaedra. So Phaedra was inspiration behind, um, was, was part of the inspiration of uh, the War of My Circles thing. And the song, right, the song that's actually been nominated uh, this week is Feast of Consequences, right? Now, Feast of Consequences, right? Where is it? This isn't, you're going to go, whoa, whoa, right? You can't see it because it's the wrong way around. The book is called The Party's Over. Yes, you're correct. This was also the inspiration for Velchmelt's This Party's Over. It's a book by Richard Heinberg, right? And it's The Party's Over, Oil War and the Fate of Industrial Societies. And it's an incredible book. Um, it's, I picked it up round about the time of, uh, when I was writing the Feast of Consequences album. And this was where I put a little cigarette paper to market. You like this? I don't know. I'm getting there. Getting there. I don't know. It's an incredible book about how we're basically absolutely screwing up the planet. It's a, it's really worth a read, right? And like I said, Richard Einberg, the party's over. It's a real eye opener with some of the the thoughts and and, and things. And having it been been written quite a while back, there's a lot of the stuff that I was reading. You kind of going, wow. He said this was going to go, and that's the way it went. You know, and even recently I've I dived into this. But yeah, there's a chapter, chapter five is called A Banquet of Consequences. And the quote the quote that I picked up on, right, when I read this book, right, was sooner or later we sit down to a banquet of consequences. And it was made by Robert Louis Stevenson, circa eighteen eighty five. Sooner or later we sit down to a banquet of consequences. And I thought, wow. It's, and a friend of mine, Keith McIntyre, um, who is a great um, painter, great artist, and uh, he lives up in the islands, in the, up in the west. And uh, Keith had a whole exhibition that was called um, uh, Mo "The Movable Feast," and which was the inspiration for the live title. Right? But Robert Louis Stevenson. Right? And this is where it well, gets really kind of weird. The book Treasure Island, right? Da, 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 da. So it's a whole new education thing, isn't it? Right? Robert Louis Stevenson, born Robert Louis Balfour Stevenson, 1850, Scottish novelist, poet and travel writer, noted for Treasure Island, Kidnapped, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and A Child's Garden of Verses. Born and educated in Edinburgh, Stevenson suffered from serious bronchial trouble. His dad designed lighthouses. That was what his family did. His father was a lighthouse builder. And this is the weird tie-in because Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, it is rumoured and it is noted that Treasure Island was actually inspired by the island of Phaedra because he used to go down there because he had bronchial problems. He used to go down to the beach and go out with his father and stuff. And uh, I don't know, I should have checked this out, whether his dad actually did design the Phaedra lighthouse. But... That was his inspiration for... Ah! See, it didn't work. Ah! Damn. I don't want daffodils. Got enough. But yeah, so Phaedra was um, the inspiration for Treasure Island. That was Robert Louis Stevenson. Robert Louis Stevenson 
was the person who I came across this quote in the party's overbook, which was the banquet of consequences. And movable feast was Keith McIntyre was all kind of in my head and stuff. And it was like, okay, a feast of consequences. Instead of a banquet of consequences, I thought a feast of consequences with my teeth. That's great. A feast of consequences, a feast of consequences. And I thought it sounded great. And that was why it became the title of the album. And now we go into the song. He takes a deep breath because I'm going into a hellhole here. There's very few things I regret in my life. Very few, if any. Right? The one thing I do profoundly regret is getting married the second time. And, you know, it was so fast, a lot of people didn't even realise that I'd been, I'd been married. Because uh, what happened was, and this is, again, this is a weird thing. Oh, go away. Well, okay, let's go back there. It's, it's, it's awkward, it's delicate, and, you know, I've got to deal with some stuff, and, you know, I'm not being vindictive. Well, Um, at the end of the 30s Star Tour, I went away to Vietnam for more than I've told you about before. And the really weird thing was that just on that tour, before I went, went across to Vietnam, I met Simona. And it was the first time we'd kind of... It was the first time we kind of met properly, right? We'd seen each other, we talked... But we hadn't sat down and talked. And we met backstage in Karlsruhe uh, at the, um, in the show. Tara was there. And we talked for the very first time. She came in and she gave me a book on Vietnam because she'd, she'd heard that I was going to Vietnam. She gave me a traveler's guide to Vietnam. And she brought Borgamil and little Liam along in the afternoon. And I didn't meet Liam that afternoon because Simona came at the gig after it. And that was the first time we ever kissed, ever kissed. Right, and that was it. It was, it was a kiss goodbye. I'm off in the bus, away in the distance, heading into starlight, and we didn't see each other. We weren't really in contact after that. And um, I went away to Vietnam and came back, and that was basically dealing with my previous relationship, right, which was the the Finley thing that never happened, right, and um. Went away to Vietnam and came back and walked straight in. Uh, I thought I was healed. I mean, I went to Vietnam to kind of get my shit together and basically get away from relationships and everything. I didn't, I wasn't ready for a new relationship. I'd been really like fucked about something really bad, right? And uh, I went away to Vietnam, came back and what actually happened was I went out for a date with a photographer that I'd, I'd met before and I was kind of, it wasn't going to happen, you know, and the sparks weren't there. But I've, on the night we went out, we went out for a Vietnamese meal and then I phoned up my friend James Anderson, Ian Anderson's son, right? And James had said, they're at this pub, blah, 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 come along. I went along to the pub with the photographer girl, who was blindingly too young for me and was perhaps more at that time into, you know, James or whatever, right? 
And James had this woman with him, and it was Kay. And well, they'd gone into loads of detail and stuff, I'll move it right forward. We got together, and I thought I was kind of, I was healed, and I wasn't. I was still, there was bits missing. And I've talked about this before, it's when you're in a relationship, one of the worst things you can do is to use that other person to fill the hole in your life. You should be going in a relationship as a complete person and you know you don't use other people to basically heal your life right and that was kind of where i fucked up and without going into a lot of detail it's like we moved through we started going out we got uh we got engaged at the end of that year after seeing each other going through it and i thought i'd met felicity kendall and you know she was in the gardens and moving up and she was a physio as well and i'm going this is great physio my age and it's like you know gardens i didn't work out like that and at the end of 2008 i had my first full cooperation and then in 2009 we got married and um i don't know why i did it i shouldn't have it was but i felt that that was the way i had to go it was like i, I was kind of i was getting like an add-on wife in a way it was it was it was fucked up right and uh, we got married in croatia and it's, it's really interesting because there's elements that, that in my life that I will come back and pull pull out and in again and face the consequences you'll see as it's kind of relative to this. Simon Farquhar is probably sitting there going, what? Yeah. So, we got married in Croatia on, in Havar and it was uh, it was a great wedding day. Everyone else was shite. Right? And, um, and what happened was that when we came back at the end of, uh, after the wedding, it was like, it was just a really bad mistake. And as I said, it was like, so, um, Kay was in the, uh, in the garden and stuff and was into flowers and she'd owned a flower shop, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But it was loads of stories. There was loads of this going on and loads of this going on. And I just accepted it all. Right? And like I said, when I thought I was, um, I was well, Felicity Kendall from The Good Life, you know, I mean, this was it. This was The Good Life. It was like raised beds and gardening and stuff. And... It was like, you know, suddenly I found out I was actually married to Margot and it was a completely different person. And it was very strange. And I don't want to go into a lot of depth because I don't want to embarrass anybody or anything else, but it was a mess, right? And I was going in for my second vocal operation at the end of 2009. I came out just before Christmas and uh, Katie went away down to London and... Um, to see her sister and was supposed to be back for New Year and didn't come back. And that was it. And there was a load of really strange, fucked up stuff going on around that time. Really weird shit, right? And she left me and we'd only been married six months. And it was kind of like, what the fuck? Right? But I mean, it was, it was a really strange position. And I, I find it difficult to talk about some elements of it. But I mean, it was like, I wanted it to happen and I think it became a kind of, you know, I don't know whether it was pride or whatever it was, maybe a mixture of everything, but it was like, after she left, I tried to make it, I tried to put it back together again because I thought it we could work. I thought it could work and it just, it wasn't. And the way I described that point in my life was every morning was kind of like, you know, I love you, I love you, I love you. And every night was a Vietnamese mortar attack. And um, 
it was awful. It was the most disruptive, horrible, darkest period that I've ever been in because I came out of uh, the vocal operation. I didn't know if I had a voice and I didn't know if I'd ever sing again. And my wife had just left me and I was like, it was a really bad time. I had my first serious panic attack at that time. And it was awful. It was just awful. And the person, I didn't even know the person. The person that I married, I had no idea who she was at that point, right? As, um, and I had to get out and it was, it was trying to get out all the time. And every time I'm going, this is it. No, it's not happening. Then it would come back again and go, well, we could always do this. And it's like, and it was, it pull you back in again. And then the next thing is like, no, I'm not doing it. But I mean, one of the things that was demanded of me was that I sell the studio and move down to London. And that was the only way that the manager was going to stay together. And you can guess what my fucking answer was to that one. Right? So, uh, you know, there was no way I was going to, you know, leave this place and, and move to London to, you know, if I'd sold this place and moved to London, we'd be lucky if we'd got a two bedroom house in Islington. You know, and it was um, so kind of it was like it was it was a big it was a horrible horrible time, and it was round about then that I picked up the stuff. I started to get into lots of different things. I started to read about uh, I was into World War One. You know, Simon must have introduced me to that, and this all happened in the the, the space that followed. But the the feast of consequences track, right? It was kind of. It was very much inspired by that relationship. And it was, you know, when I read it today, I tear a page from the Book of Faces, throw your letters on an open fire. I couldn't say that I still despise you, but I'm finding it hard, hard, hard to not. I'm finding it. That was always a difficult one to sing when we recorded it. But I'm finding it harder not to. In fact, it's the wrong lyric. <laughs> yes, the problem was when singing, writing lyrics and then singing them, and then when you start scanning, Callum starts to get you, in, you know, you need to drop this, drop this. So this is obviously an early one. Tear a page from the Book of Faces Facebook. Throw your letters in an open fire. I couldn't say that I still despise you, but I'm finding it harder not to. After all that was said and done, it's time this thing was over. Did I want you to change your mind? I don't honestly think so. Picking me up, da da da. You, you've got it. You know that. You know that. But that was what it was. But I mean, it was like it, was, it started off as being feast of consequences was supposed to be relevant to the planet. That was kind of the drive of it all at that time. That was the, the major idea for the Feast of Consequences album. But then it got completely dictated um, over by, um, dictated by the, the Highwood Suite and that just overwhelmed it, you know? So all the other songs kind of fell. They, they didn't pick up on that kind of environmental kind of thing that I was trying to get into. Blind to the Beautiful was in there, but I mean, but Feast of Consequences changed and it became a song that was, uh, um, it was just about the relationship, and it was it was. I think the relevant thing uh, there was something so deeply flawed in the beginning. We tried to deny it, like a crack in a china doll, a masquerade in silence, where we tried to recognise just who exactly we're trying to hide. We played our roles in this grand design, fooled ourselves in our own disguises, and um, that was kind of where it was at. It was like it just became, the whole thing, the whole marriage became this game, and it was like you didn't know who, who the fuck you were dealing with, you know. And it was like the, the, that was a, the, the element I think the book of faces. It was like you, I didn't know who I was dealing with, and it was a, and it's a song I love singing it, and, and there's a particular, um, there's a particular kind of we slice of vitriol in the whole thing, you know, because I was I was 
when it was it was the most tormented I'd ever been in my life at that period, you know. And it's interesting because on the Velchmerz album, Simon Farquhar was rubbing his pants, right? Um on the Velchmerz album, I actually went back and on the section on Waverly Steps, right? The 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 piece where where I had to go in and, and, and take the character and have the character basically find somebody, get married and you know, it'll go horribly wrong, you know. I took a lot, again, from that period and invested it in, in Waverly Steps. And there's a line, the line about uh, um, but being married on an island. That was the thing. And I didn't even realise I'd done it at the time, but I just subconsciously picked this up when I went to, to write the, uh, the, 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 the sequence about the, the guy going through you know, relationship, you know, marriage, divorce in, in the space of three minutes, right? I kind of subconsciously just picked this up, you know, it was like, because it, it was meant to be a disastrous marriage. It wasn't, the song was not meant to be about the marriage, it's about the guy, but the manager to propel him into, into his kind of end, end scenes. Um, and I inadvertently like, picked it up and it was, it was, and I didn't notice it till after I'd written Waverly Steps, but it was Feast of Consequences and Velchmerz have got this kind of, they've got a tie, they've got a tie up to it. Oh. And I said, the, you know, the regret, the biggest regret, you know, it's the only regret, I just wish that I'd gone to Simona then, you know, when I came back from Vietnam, I should have gone to Karlsruhe, right? And I wish I'd gone to Karlsruhe and we would have had another three years together, right? Because my woman is a very special person and I love her dearly. And I just wish, and we both wish that we'd met a lot earlier, but as we all know, us wanderers in life, it's like you're meant to do things at the right time. And when the Scottish thing, you know, what's meant for you will not pass you by. Right? And um, and that's kind of what where, where I'm looking at. But the, it was interesting because when I started to write Feast of Consequences, I was writing it on the balcony in Dulac because Simone and I got together at the end of 2011. So I'd got, I was like, like I said, my divorce was kind of finalized. And I remember where it happened. I was on the, the West Highland Way and I was walking up, uh, what was it? Um, Devil's, oh, what's the name of the Devil's? Dubry, somebody will remind me. I was coming down the other side of the Devil's Path Right up on um, thing, and I got a phone call off my lawyer, right? And my lawyer said it's done because I filed for divorce like basically immediately, and it was like you know like this is not happening, and because we'd only been six months, it was a walk away job, and I got the phone call coming down the other side of the mountain, which I thought was apt, and I remember just sitting there, and I cried. I sat on a big stone and stared out the valley, and I cried for about ten minutes, and everybody moved on and let me be for a while, because I was just so glad it was it was like a period in my life that was absolutely awful and as i said it took that to kind of take me through and and 2000 when i went out in the fish heads club tour at the start of 210 and i met simona in, in 11 and we got together and I, I wrote a lot of this lyric on the balcony in durlach and the balcony was for people we may not know, it was where Simona lived in, in Durlach, which is neat, a little place near Karlsruhe. It's a great wee place. Um, um, and I had this balcony that looked out over this thing called the Aua. And the Aua is, means it's the water meadow. And it was all houses. It was beautiful. 
and I actually came up with a great idea for a book out there as well. But Feast the Consequences, it's a weird, strange journey to take it all the way through the, the, the Robert Louis Stevenson thing, you know, et cetera, et cetera, driving it through into the balcony in Durlach and now here. And that was what that was about. And it's a particularly, the, the bit like a crack in a china doll, a masquerade in silence. It was like, that is exactly what it was. It was just that whole confusion, right? Uh, I'm going to go through now. But yeah, and it, I've, I've never, I've never, I've never spoken to, you know, like I said, it was, it was like a marriage. It wasn't really a marriage. It was like, it was, it was more an event rather than, you know, and I always find it strange, but, you know, I, and I hate this, you're saying, well, you know, you know, someone is my third wife. It's like, it sounds shitty, right? But it's, um, because she's my wife. And with this, we'll go through. And I'll turn it up loud. Oh, my back. I was seeing somebody um, last week. And I've been getting some fascia massage, which is brilliant. And I saw women on Sunday after I'd done a bit of garden the day before. And I was there for an hour to get this sports massage. And she said, you're so tense and so uptight. She said, I could do an hour on each limb, never mind an hour on your body. She said, look, and it was absolutely panelled. But it's working. It's getting better. <sighs> right. Oh, boy, so Put the candles on. Fire's on for you. I've got to do this, make sure I don't turn anything off. Yeah, you kind of got them all there. Right. Remote. Ha ha. Play. Oh, bollocks. Like a 
I'll do like I do like the anger that's in there. It's no, it's not overdone. I don't. It's, oh no, I don't do this. Oh bollocks! Yeah, so so instead we shall go through here, darling. Yes, we've been a bit of this. Is. So, Simona, what's for dinner tonight? Guess what? <laughs> Potato salad. So, my favorite recipe. Got it from my mum, of course. I, I quickly show you how. Yeah. Yeah. That's the potatoes. I put in fresh on, um, onion. I'm confused. Fresh cucumber. I told them. Yeah. No, really, I have problems concentrating a bit. Fresh cucumber. This is the onion. Cucumbers. Garlic. Fresh garlic. Quite a lot. From our garden. Yeah. Um, this is pickled cucumber. Yet. So, a lot of pepper. The pepper mill would work. A lot. <laughs> pepper. Dill, if you have, or if you like. Not everybody likes dill. I don't have fresh dill. Um, and you special have so. Yeah, a little bit. But... This is vegetable stock. A bit. A little bit vinegar. Maybe. Oil. Usually I use sunflower oil, but we don't have any. So it's just a light, light olive oil. And... Not healthy, I know. But it needs to, it's, it's important. Mayonnaise. <laughs> Mayonnaise. Maybe a bit more. 
get anything, babe. Herbal salt. And where does the herbal salt come from, darling? That's herbs from the garden. All and, mixed herbs. And, and who made the herbal salt? Me. <laughs> if I remember well. What's it? So, so mixed herbs just mixed it with salt? Mixed herbs, no one in it. Um, dried shallots, dried garlic, and yeah, mm -hmm. herbs. So that's it. And at, at the end, after I've mixed it, I put some boiled eggs mm -hmm. on top. Yep. That's it then. Okay. And we have the sausages. The sausages, yes. Sausages. Sausages, what my mum used to do, and which I love, you put a bit dried majoram. 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 Majoram on them before you fry them. It's really good. That's it. That's a close. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling? How are you feeling today? They were asking about how you were feeling. No, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just... Have a bit difficulties concentrating sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm fine. Thank you very much for all your all your lovely wishes and and thoughts. Thank you. It means a lot. You're gonna come through the last one. Yay! So you are. Whole recipe as well. You're spoiled. It's really weird at this time of year. Oh, it's great because the delay, I'm actually seeing someone on the thing. She's a brilliant cook. It's like, I like to go through the, I love cooking myself. I really like it, but it's like, I, I'm kind of, <laughs> so, um, We need a cooking with some more in the evening, yes. Susan Cohen, thank you. Carol Lawrence Olsen, when can we come to dinner? Yeah, that's a full, absolute fallback position. It's like if it all goes horribly wrong, it's like we can open up a restaurant in the garden. So it's, um, it's all, oh look, the adding has gone. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Um, what is it? What is it? Um, yeah, it's the guy I've got to say thank you to, right? It's um, John Ashton. John Ashton, thank you very much. Um, the Berry Brothers and Rudd, um, wishing you a Merry Christmas from Berry Brothers and Rudd. But John Ashton, I think, got this. I don't know. Please don't forget to keep the cheese and grain on the list for the retirement tour. Very happy Christmas, successful New Year to you and Simona. Thoughts at this point? It would just be memories of gigs. Stay safe, John Ashton. So, John, thank you very much. It was a very, very lovely gift, and it absolutely floored me last day. I didn't drink at all. It'll be, you know, but, um, uh, da -da -da. This is from Ronnie Hines. So, it's Sinead. Oh. Sinead, a very, very happy birthday to you. Heard you're having a tough time. Right? That's Roy Hines from Australia. And it's Liam and Sinead Hines. So, Sinead, everything gets better all the time. It's like, 
There are no problems, only solutions. That's the way I kind of look at it. I don't want to turn it to Vince O'Malley, but like, kind of that's where it's at. So, um, uh, Elliot, here we go. This is the shout out that, that when I was sent the email last week and the guy never put the names on. So this is a shout out to Joe and, Ann, Joe and Ian Wallace, lovely couple who are huge fans, seemingly. Right? They tune in weekly without fail. So, John, hello there, how are you doing? That's very nice, eh? And, um, I got to say, oh, I don't want to relate as well today. It was, um, oh, it was, uh, Catherine Vaughan Gothen. It's your birthday as well, so happy birthday, Catherine. And Shirley Miller, right, who say, she said, she said she's going to be, um, listening to it because she's painting her flower shop. She's got a new flower shop, so she's painting it tonight. So, uh, you know, happy painting, Shirley. Flower shops, love them. There's another wee interesting Fellini moment there. And, um, where else is it? Oh, yeah, that's been kept for later. That's been kept. And I got a really interesting one today as well. And it was, uh, so Robert Olson, I saw you come up on the, on the page. Robert, thanks for saying this. I've not read it yet, right? I said, a few weeks, you, a few weeks ago, you played Perfume River and made me think about my father, who was in a ship called the Sletford that was trading with North Vietnam in 1964-65. I've included with a letter my father's recollections of his time there, which may be of his interest to you. My sister is the author of this account based on conversations with my dad. I think, <coughs> I think she's captured my dad's forthright manner of speaking. Please note there are some misspellings, blah, blah, blah. Hi, Fong, it said da, 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 da. Uh, he said, as indicated in the text, my father gave information to the CIA, but only about morale in the north and if bombs were hitting the, the targets. Thanks for the shows. Thank you very much for that. It's really nice. And it's like, I will be having a wee read of that. So thanks for... Uh, you okay? Yeah. Uh, and... Oh, no. I found it stuff. Well... Uh, oh, by the way, it's like some people are asking... That is the Feast of Consequences Deluxe. It's the same as the Welsh Melts. Welsh Melts with a book. Except it doesn't have a Blu-ray on it. It doesn't have five to ones, but it's the same kind of vibe. Uh, and this is really weird. Because right? I was talking earlier on about uh, um, Waverly Steps. That's a good point. TV on. Yeah, we're talking about Waverly Steps. I, don't know, I was mentioning it to my mum. And uh, I never knew this. This is another real beaut, right? So um, my mum and dad met for their very first date at the top of Waverly Steps in 1948. And my mum got the, the, the bus from Dalkeith and went all the way up into Edinburgh and agreed to meet my dad. And she was only 16 at the time, right? And... Um, so my dad simply drove in from Dalkeith because he was working at Dick Brothers' garage because my dad used to drive taxis and drive all sorts of things in the garage from, for his father. And he's like, smooth bastard, eh? Comes all the way up to Edinburgh and, and basically meets my mum there. And the very first day, like I said, they met at the top of Waverly Estates and they went to the cinema and my mum can't remember what film it was. And I'm going, really? <laughs> And he gave her a lift back all the way back. She didn't want to come back with him because she was only 16 and didn't want to get a kind of car. 
and she was very, very nervous. But that was it. So Waverly Steps, right? How strange is that? How strange is that? And um, like I said, there's all these weird little coincidences and things happen. I was telling them about how you gave me the Vietnam book and oh. what was that, 2000 and... Do you want, oh. What was that, 2008, seven? I don't know, wait a minute, 2007. Yes, 2007. 2007. And that's where we, I was telling them, that's where we met at the, what was the name of the gig again? I always forget, the, the, uh, blah, 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 the, the slaughterhouse. No, a slaughterhouse. It was the, the other one. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. Tall house. The tall house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nearly, I did, nearly didn't meet you there. Because, yeah, yeah. No, because. This he, is this. Yeah. He after. I didn't the, tell them everything. No, that's just that's just something after after the gig. Because he saw me in the crowd, he always remembered me somehow. So. He gave me a sign, see you later, like see you later. Because you'd been down in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, Liam yes, and yes, Bogomil. Yes, and then you gave me that sign. Yeah. And I thought, <clears throat> I had some friends with me, and I thought, oh, I'd go for a, a pint to the Vogelbräu before. <laughs> so we had, we had, no, I went after, it was in the, at the tall house, I had two pints, and then I thought, I, I'd better go. And this was basically, Maybe ten minutes, fifteen minutes before you had left, before you had to had to leave. I went backstage, and the crew guys they would didn't want to let me in. Yeah. And he said, "No, you go." I said, "Yeah," but he wanted me wanted to see me, wanted to speak to me, and they said no. Mm -hmm. And I just yeah. And that was the very that was the very first time we ever properly met. Yeah. Properly met. Yeah. Is we'd seen you know, and actually Simone had been along at gigs and. Uh, what was, was it the first time we kind of saw you were met each other? You were only, I think you were 16 then. 15, 15, three viertel. Yeah, I only, <laughs> yeah. no, don't worry, it's not Bill Wyman's story, right? Yeah. But it's, um, but yeah, so the first time we met, when I signed your jeans, Monica was with her friends outside and they signed her jeans. Yeah. And she didn't want me, I signed the best jeans with a permanent marker, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, because there were so many people. My friends wanted to go backstage for signatures, so I was waiting for them because I drove with them and there was a big crowd suddenly surrounding somebody I didn't know who of the band or whatever. And I, I walked around them and he was sitting on the chair, I walked around to see who, who, who was there. And he stood up and said, do you want an autograph? I said, no. <laughs> and then I was a bit embarrassed. I thought that was rude, so I said, you can sign on my jeans. <laughs> because I didn't know what to say. Mental. Yeah. Well, but yeah, so we actually knew each other way back in the 80s, but nothing that, we just, we were like, we always said to each other, we were like sat, we were like kind of satellites. You know, we were kind of, we were, we were just going around this planet and eventually we were going to meet up at some point, and we did, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was, like I said, it was in, that was, it was the, the first thing we kissed, and I remember when I, yeah, it was um, first thing we ever kissed. I got back in the bus, headed off into the off over the horizon. You sent a couple of emails, and then I was then I was away, and then the next time I saw you was it was a really weird one. It was um, it was really strange. It was at the cafe after the the it was the Mannheim show. Ah, oh, Dad, where my mum? Oh yeah, that was. I just, it was yeah. after my divorce, and 
um, yeah, and I said, I decided for myself because I always thought when I saw him or met him or just for, for a few words or whatever, I was never nervous. I was never, <gasps> I was just, it was like as if I knew him for ages. It was so familiar. I thought there was something there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then so after my divorce, I just, I decided for myself, I don't go to, to any gigs anymore and blah, blah, blah. My mom bought tickets. Yeah, she said, Fish is coming because we know somebody who's selling tickets and she, she went to see him, which she never does, usually. So and then, then I said, no, I'm not going. I decided two days ago, I will never go to a gig again uh, to his. Um, I said, oh, but, but you, you had so much, um, such an awful time and you need the rest, you love the music. I said no, but she 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 went back and and bought the tickets. So we went there, and after the show, I, I saw went, you. In, I saw you in the audience. Yeah. And then we went out. We decided we were going to go out to a bar, and it was uh, obviously it was just Frank and Foz and, and and Yatta and and fairy tale creature, and we went to a bar and we walked into this bar cafe and there was where we you were there. We after the gig, my mum and I we immediately left. Uh, so I, I, I was at yeah, the, you toilet, didn't come at the toilet. No, no, not at all. I went to the toilet, came out, and you were there signing. Mm -hmm. And my mum said, Simona, this, there, there he is. <laughs> and, and I said, Mutti, mum. And he turned around and said, is this your mum? I said, yes. And then we talked, and you said you, yeah. you did therapy. And yeah, yeah, I yeah, said, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. And then we left. And then my mum said, oh, I'm hungry. Let's go and have something to eat. And I said, but I want to go home. I said, my mum said, please. So we found a little bar restaurant thing and we were there for maybe 20 minutes or so. And then you came in. Yeah. And I came in and then we were sitting there and I saw someone and I went, this is weird. Someone is there with mum. And I was I, I didn't, I didn't, like I said, we didn't really know each other at all. Right. She was just a face in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And, uh, very beautiful face. It was always I always remembered that very beautiful face, and um, and I went up and asked when I asked you out. We, we said like you know let's, let's get together, and that was kind of that was a kind of first thing. But I mean, but, but yeah, see when I met you, you were fifteen, sixteen years old. So it was the same age as my mum and my mum and dad. Ha! Huh. <laughs> but you know, but they got married and stuff, and yeah. we we did our own orbits around the universe for a few years. So, but. It's, Oh, yes. It's a, the full story is actually there's there's, a, there's loads more elements that, than that as well. There's loads of really strange filling elements. Like we're just meant to be together. We were just always meant to be together, and it was uh, it's um, Andy McIntosh, the slaughterhouse is Redford. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, Andy McIntosh, thank you very much for sending that thing for Simon Farquhar, who I'm sure will be a very happy little soul. With his birthday Tuesday, I think it's Simon. I think it's Tuesday, Simon's birthday. So happy birthday, Simon! Oh. Sabina Brignall, Simona, my mum made she made her mum made kartoffel salad just like you do. Yeah. What is Daddy's juice, <laughs> Connor Clary? What's the? Can I get some more Daddy's juice, please? What's Daddy drinking tonight? Yeah, he's drinking the same. What was uh, the? Oh, it's the the, <laughs> the half bottle that was left in the fridge. <laughs> Yeah. Well. John Watson, I remember getting my, my jeans signed by girls' school. Yeah. That must have been a very strange one. 
Oh, what's that in your pocket? <laughs> Kevin Pfeiffer referenced XTC as another satellite. I've, I don't, I can't remember that. I've never, I was never a huge fan of XTC. I kind of really liked what they did, what I've heard, but it's like, I've never really kind of completely got into this stuff. Well, Kay Armstrong, how lovely would it be if we got to hear all of Simone's stories, her voice stories and way of telling anecdotes? This is just brilliant. So, so you, could do, you could do maybe Simone on Tuesday or Simone on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, you got to do your own show. Oh. Simon Tangalese, you signed my jeans in the 80s. Could have been a different story. <laughs> no, no, Tango. No, no, you didn't get it. <laughs> Dave Robinson, take a back seat, mate. Enter Simone on Friday. Well, you can maybe do it when I'm... I can maybe have a week off, weekend off next week. You could do, do your own show next week. Uh, uh. <laughs> Stuart Evans, it's like Darwin Joan. <laughs> Yeah, it was meant to be, yeah. I met Fish in Napoleon's pub Glasgow just after they left Marillion. Happy days. Uh, right, we're moving up to it's quarter two. I want to do this. So, why don't you talk to them for a bit and let me set this up. I don't know what. Just talk about anything. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Ask something. I can... No, tell me what I... I don't know. The Christmas tree. The Christmas tree. Yeah. I don't you know what... Christmas tree we got the Christmas tree today. And, and it popped up on, on Facebook, on my Facebook page, that three years ago, on that day today, we bought the Christmas tree. And Amazing, isn't it? It's a nice one. You will see it next week. We didn't have time yet to, to decorate it. We wanted to get it at the beginning of this week to have it nice and bright and um, for you to see, but there's something to look forward to. Right, let me get this done. What are you doing? I want to put on Waverly Steps. Waverly Steps, oh. It's just too... Don't know what to say. <laughs> What's your favorite channel? Of the album, You're little, man, aren't you? little men what now is my favorite. Yeah, they're all there. I can't compare them. They're all special, but little man what now touches me. Yeah, the, the most. Right. And oh. my favorite Marillion song. Somebody asked. Don't talk me. about Marillion. <laughs> no, it's simple. It's the very. It's good for a jester's tear. No, so many people ask so often. But tell them about script for jester's tear. About your, about your, you won the, the prize and stuff. She's still at Stuart. Be watching. Ah, uh, no, that's showing off. <laughs> I, I won a won a prize at school. Well, I was at the gymnasium and then I left the gymnasium after the tenth class. I don't know. Um, the Germans will understand because it was the year when my parents got divorced so I blamed them for, for being lazy or not, <coughs> not, not being good enough so I left left the gymnasium got, went to Realschule I don't know what that is in English 
and won a prize, won an English prize. And um, there was a, won an English prize, it was 500 euros, no demark at that time. And the woman who gave the money uh, make it, made it obligatory. Obligatory. <laughs> yeah, that I uh, traveled to England, which I did. I had a pen friend called Stuart James, and we are still friends. And yeah. And Stuart was at our wedding, wasn't he? Stuart was at our wedding. With his mum? Yeah, it was his mum. Yeah. So Stuart had a lot to do with it all. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's enough for now. Yeah. I'm going to play this. It's, um, uh, this is it's kind of a weird one to go out on. Um, but uh, strange coincidences. Uh, when Mark Wilkinson was putting together all the artwork for the for the album, it was uh, he said he wanted to use a couple of local artists and, and photographers and things just to help put some bits and pieces together. And um, it was interesting the, the, the way it all kind of came together. And um, Waverly Steps, like I said, it's is strange how it's, it came together. And I, I wanted to play it today. Like I said, it was by pure coincidence. My mother mentioned the fact that it was like my dad and her met at Waverly Steps in, in 1948 for the first ever date. And Waverly Steps was the first kind of like big track. And as I said before, the, the link between Feast of Consequences, that subconscious kind of um, addition, when I, you know, when I was writing it, that, that character's kind of life out and the, the kind of, the third kind of part of the song. It was, uh, and I referenced that period and, and then, but you know. But you know, tonight it's, it's, it's kind of a bit weird. And, um, Joe Elliott uh, Portel um, was one of the photographers. And I think he was, his dad's a huge fan, and I think he's watching tonight. And his mum used to own the Baker's Arms, which was the pub where we did the, the photographs for the Clutching at Straws cover. So again, strange coincidences. Um, but he was the guy, he took the photograph on Waverly Steps of the Budley Eye. I think, I can't remember, it's, it's page 75. It's, it's the very first page of the Waverly Steps lyric, which has got the train coming towards you, and you, it's got the Budley Eye across on the right-hand side. He, he took that photograph. Originally, it was going to be a, it was a beautiful black and white shot, and, but um, Mark colorized it. And I, I, wanted to, I want to play this tonight, um, uh, because Joe uh, sadly died about three days ago. And it's it's poignant. So this is for his wife, for his his um for his family and his friends who miss him. So Joe, this is for you. This is Waverly Steps. Searching for landmarks in fields once familiar, he can 
Suffering 
Waverly steps. Waverly steps. Yeah. Joe Elliot Patel. Rest in peace, mate. It's not Okay. And that's it. Another week gone by, preparing for... I don't know, I think it's up to you to choose the song that you want on... the Velschmidt song you want to be played. Because I'm gearing up for this Christmas special thing. It's like, what do I do? I have to phone up some BBC broadcasters to dance with them or something like the Mocking Wise show. So, um, here we go now. Sound of sausages. <laughs> so it's uh, goodbye from us. We're still in a week. Um, thanks for watching in. Um, I hope you're all uh, looking after yourselves. As I said, yeah, it's great. We've got vaccinations coming along, but they're going to be a while. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at what's going on and see the shit out there, it's like, especially in America. I mean, I'm really feeling for America at the moment. You know, we're here again. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go into that now. But it's, um, masks, washing hands. Social distancing, social distancing, social distancing. You know, we've got to fight it through. It's like I said last week, just because we've got a vaccine now does not necessarily mean that like everything's like going to be all okay. You know, yes, when it comes along, I'll take it. When I'm, you know, it's uh, need to get back. But until then, it's uh, especially with Christmas coming up. I mean, if you just look what happened with the, with Thanksgiving Day in America and look at the cases that erupted across there. You know, we we got to be careful. Just you know, it's really difficult. It's difficult for Simona being away. You know, we want the kids across. Not gonna happen. Um, but we just got to get on with it and do what's best. I'll be back next week, and I'll be. Is it two weeks to Christmas? Yes, it's two weeks. Two weeks to Christmas. So next week's the pre-Christmas show. So until next week, from us both. Yeah. That's the sausages cook. From Simona and I. Just take care and stay alive. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. And just be safe, be considerate, be sensible, and just use common sense at all times. Until next week, from the here. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>